Like Call It What You Want, which we know is your favorite podcast about the beautiful game, Viore is committed to delivering a great experience for everyone, which is highlighted by their new perspective on performance apparel. Everything is designed to work out in, but doesn't look or feel like it. In fact, I'm rocking their Stratotech polo right now, along with their Sunday performance jogger pants, so I can be business on top when I'm on camera, but super comfortable on the bottom. And it's just the best. Fiori gear is incredibly versatile, and it can be used for just about any activity. Running, training, swimming, lounging around, hosting podcasts, doing errands, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. And for our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash call it. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash call it. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash call it and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Everybody, welcome to uh, Soccer with Trust. That's what I'm flying solo again today. I know you guys have gotten a little bit used to that uh, over time, but that's okay. Uh, we're going to keep on uh, keeping it moving. So um, first off, we're going to start with just a recap of um, what happened in the Gold Cup final, 88th minute goal. And uh, I'm going to be honest with you guys. If you can see from my hair, my disheveled look, I've been on the go all day today. Got a chance to watch the game. I was actually worried it was going to go to. Uh, we'll do this. We'll do this look, guys. We're going to do. Uh, the Billy Madison backwards hat look like I'm uh, leaving Wimbledon right now. Wimbledon final, by the way, happened uh, today. If you didn't get a chance to watch that, go and watch it. But I am all about this Gold Cup final. It was an unbelievable one. First off, I don't know, and we've got to talk about this, uh, and let me know your thoughts. Uh, Panama, are they an up-and-coming team to be reckoned with? Obviously, if we go back to World Cup qualifying, we had you know a team that was actually on the verge of being a one, two, or three in World Cup qualifying, fell apart towards the end, had a chance to be the four, and then as they <laughs> – backwards hat looks fly, thank you. But as they became the four, um, Costa Rica stepped up and um, pushed them out. And so now you see, and you see this team that's been together for a while, and there is a value now you see in keeping that head coach together. So um, you look at this team and you look at the opportunity there, and I just start to think that you know, there's obviously something that could, could happen and, and, and be special with this group. The way that they came out, again, same as they did against the U.S., playing wide, high, spreading out the field, and it was pretty impressive. So I got to give credit to Panama. I got to give credit to Coach Christensen. It was an unbelievable um, performance from them. They had Mexico on the ropes a couple of times. Mexico had them on the ropes, but overall, it hurt me. It broke me uh, to not see the U.S. in the final, but uh, to see two teams go after each other and actually make it a good game. And again, it goes back to the Wimbledon final where if you watched it today, Alcaraz loses 6-1 in the first set. And in his speech after the game, he goes, you know, obviously I was worried that all these people came to watch a good final and they were going to get a bad final. So I said, I have to step my level up. Similarly, uh, we got a good final in this one. Stole out crowd at SoFi Stadium. Mexico playing really well. Scrappy, intense. 
Coco Carasquilla from Panama being, being willing to get into the scrap. And we'll get into all that, but overall, um, just a really good final. You know, it's, it's a bit weird to, to cover a final that doesn't have the U.S. in it, as I mentioned, but uh, I was pretty happy to see those teams, and I'm excited about uh, just what the future holds for, for, for both of them and, and in the region. You know, uh, I was talking with uh, my friend JJ during the game when we were watching it, saying how, ah, is this bad for credibility for CONCACAF if Panama goes on to win it? But if anybody watched that game, you would see the quality, the intensity, the pace of the game. Mexico trying to win the ball high up the field in transitional moments when Panama were vulnerable. When Panama would, would break that press and get on, they would get down into the gold. So there was just sort of that cat and mouse game happening and just, I think, a high level of, of, of tactical awareness on the field. The pace, the intensity, again, was so good. Um, obviously, some controversies. What did you guys think of the ref, by the way? I thought that was a interesting one um, in terms of some of the calls that he made, some of the non-calls. Obviously, the controversial moment where he gave the second yellow and then took it back, but it wasn't a wrong review and it wasn't about, uh, it wasn't about obviously VAR can't tell him that. And everybody's wondering sort of how that happened. I think it was the right thing to do to, 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 to figure it out the be- for the best. You don't want it to turn into an 11 versus 10. And then obviously there's been a lot of um, criticism um, of, of Jimenez in this tournament in terms of his ability to finish clinically and what he can do in the typical stereotype that you get from, um, what what Mex- FMF fans think of their strikers, which is, oh, they do it all at the club level, but that when it gets to the national team, they choke. And obviously we know um, it's a lot harder to do uh, to do it at the international level. And he's had a couple goalkeepers in this tournament stand on his head. Um, and it was weird because as it was getting to the 88th minute and Henry Martin was coming off of the field and he was disappointed, I thought, oh man, maybe this is a bad negative moment for them uh, to, 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 to have that sort of body language and that sort of attitude um but uh it ended up working out and you have a player come on the field and you have somebody coming to prove himself and um it was just an unbelievable finish and obviously this now makes mexico uh into their record extending ninth gold cup title uh with that one nil victory but i was just happy overall that uh it was a top level game and the pace of the game was good and we often see in finals, and, and, and you can say this about any level, not just about our region, especially not just about our region, but any final. It's two teams. They're tense. They come out guarded. One team sits back. The other one sits back. And you just don't see a lot of that bravery and that intensity and that willingness to take the game to it. But you can see from the very start, both Panama and Mexico thought they had a chance to win this game. Both teams had chances to win this game. And that's my favorite kind of final. You usually get that in semifinal outings you get that in quarterfinal matchups you get that sometimes in two-legged affairs in the second leg when the game sort of presents itself but that one i thought was really really impressive quite frankly probably better than what the final would have been if the u.s was in it just in terms of that the rhythm the technique the quality the willingness to go after each other i just thought was a really positive positive match and so i gotta say that um when I, when I think about just how this game played out, um, just one to be, be happy with. And also for the region, I think it's a great thing for the region, just in terms of, you know, more teams being good. Um, and, and when I think about it, when I go back to the start of this tournament, I think about when we, when we propped up our favorites, we talked Mexico, we talked the U.S., we gave Costa Rica a little bit of respect, but not really saying that they were going to do anything in this tournament. We propped up Jamaica um, and Panama quietly, built had a chip on their shoulder and they took every step of the way to prove themselves to get to a final i don't think panama got to that final by luck i don't think panama uh could have won that final by luck they won it because their their collective unit their pressing game 
their mentality, their fighting spirit, that teamwork type of thing. They've, they've, they've dipped into something that I think is unique and special. And I had a few opportunities. That was what the, that's what it was like to always play for the U S men's national team was always, that's, that was the entry point was like, you had this camaraderie, this brotherhood, this thing, when you came together, greater than the sum of your parts. And, and I think Panama are, are, are tapping into that right now, obviously talking very much about Panama, but I don't want to downplay the ultimate champions, Mexico. And when you look at them versus the Mexico we saw against the U S it was a completely, completely different performance, a completely different type of team, a completely different type of confidence. And I'm curious if they're going to keep uh Lamborghini for this, uh, for this, uh, upcoming thing. I've talked, I've talked to a lot of people, including some, uh, FMF scouts, uh, who said, well, if they do, it's not going to be because of winning the gold cup. That's not the qualification to keeping a job anymore. Right. With a job comes, um, uh, the principles that you want to play, the style of play, the foundational things that we've seen now with the U S and the way that the U S has grown from 2018 failure to now Mexico hasn't had that same failure, but they had a disappointing world cup. They had, they had then obviously, you know, the U S sort of dominating them, Canada winning world cup qualifying. And I think it's in a down moment for them that whoever it is has to come with a philosophy and a belief and a long-term plan beyond just winning today and winning tomorrow. So um, but overall, I thought it was an unbelievable match. Um, producer uh, Lisa, if you could throw up the uh, lineups, at least of one of these teams, and we'll go through all of them. I mean, what did you guys think of this lineup? Obviously, Memo Ochoa continuing to be sort of the king of the Gold Cup, continuing to play big matches. Henry Martin, I know that there's obviously a lot of criticism of of Antuna um, and what he's he's uh, brought to the team. He had a few chances with, within the game in terms of uh, can he strike the ball with his right foot? Got the ball on his left foot a couple times. Not super clinical or at the level that I think we had hoped that we would see him at at this point in his development. But overall, this team fought together. And yes, it's the, the closest thing they've got to their their of, of a lot of these teams to their A team. Well, Panama has their A team too. But when I think about the U.S. and Mexico, but overall, this is a huge moment for them. And you've got to go out and you win these tournaments. We thought the U.S. was a win or bust. They failed at this one. Mexico took it to the very end. It doesn't matter when you score. They could have lost that game. But somehow uh, they managed to find a way. Um, so let me know what your guys' thoughts are on, on, on this match overall, this lineup that Mexico put out. Did you like the midfield? Do we really think um, Alvarez is ready to go to the next level in terms of his game? Can he be one of the few players that leads Mexico into that next generation as we've seen all of their legends sort of fade out and slowly um, head towards retirement? And now it's about the next generation. It's about the next player. And others complaints about the players are making too much money in Mexico right now to leave and try something new. And we need, uh, you know, Mexico needs that generational um, generational change. And I'm just hearing now from, from our producer, Lisa, that, that uh, Memo Ochoa won the Golden Glove naturally. Um, He's uh, also become the player with the most Gold Cup titles in history. I, I, I was at somewhere near the end of the game when they had mentioned how many matches he had played in the Gold Cup, but it was something ridiculous. And he had only lost like one game or something like that in his entire time. So uh, a pretty unbelievable run of games. And he's had to do it also with different different teams. You don't always have your A team and you have multi-tournament summer. So, um, and yeah, 25th game for Mexico in the gold cup, which broke the appearance record. So unbelievable one for him. Congratulations to him. And I hope that, you know, uh, he's obviously an inspiration for the next generation of players and that Mexico starts to have, um, 
Oh, we got a little Jesus saying that Sanchez should have started over Roma. That's a decent shout. Who else do you think should have started in this one? Obviously, we, we know who went on to get the match winner. Do we think that uh, Jimenez should have been starting over, over Henry Martin? I thought Henry Martin was actually pretty serviceable. Had that big goal moment that was taken back that I thought was going to ultimately be the winner. So I thought he was busy in that one. Didn't get that one. Looked disappointed when he came off. Uh, but overall, I thought um, just a really good uh, performance. And again, we, we have Ozzy Torres saying Karaskia, man of the match, despite the loss. Look, I had been covering Coco Karaskia this year. Um, we covered a couple uh, Houston Dynamo games. And I had it once when he was with the national team and then once when he was back. And he just is so good. And sometimes... Even for me, when I think about players, I don't give them the credit they deserve until you see them on the international stage. And when you see his performance in this tournament, obviously he's going to be, I hope, um, you know, Gold Cup best 11. I think he's going to be, you know, one of the best players uh, looked at it as one of the best players in this tournament and just an unbelievable team. And then when you look across the board, when we're looking at the starting lineup, for those of you that are watching this live and in, 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 in a video format, um, when you think about Coco Karaskia, Barcenas, Ismael Diaz was unbelievable. Again, of just being industrious, of doing a lot of the hard work, of running at players, of just making Mexico um, uncomfortable. Um, and then when I think about Quintero, when I think about Godoy, when I think about uh, Andrade, Eric Davis even, just those are all names that we've seen. And we've seen with Panama was very much about like sort of wearing them down. I thought Mexico, especially in the end of the first half, started to find a rhythm and just really lean on them and not take advantage of it. And I thought, okay, this might play into um, this might play into uh, into uh, Mexico's or sorry, Panama's hands. The longer they can go with withstanding Mexico, come out in the second half and it was a little bit more of an even match again. Uh, and so overall, I just thought it was a uh, a really good game. And for me as a neutral, it's very rare that I get to watch. And know that I'm going to I'm going to do a show after where I can watch intently in the way that I do with the men's U.S. men's national team, where I'm watching two teams play and see where the space in the areas are. Usually, if I were to watch a final like this, I'd be sitting back, relaxing, just sort of taking in the game, hoping it's a good one. But watching this one intently and you see the movement, you see the way that Panama were like same against the U.S. They're going to open up high and wide um, and really stretch the field out on Mexico and just the cleverness between Mexico saying, OK, we're going to go or if we turn the ball over, we press right away, we win it back. And a few times that Panama said, okay, if we can get past that first layer, we're going to spring out on the counterattack and do something dangerous. And you could just sort of see game plans. And honestly, it left me a little bit jealous because I think at times it felt like with the U.S. men's national team, it lacked a game plan, right, over the last few years as this team was looking for its rhythm as a group, as an identity. Um, seeing that all come together in this one was pretty spectacular. And you can see how identities are formed. You can see why even though Panama failed, they keep – uh, Christensen as the coach, they continue to improve. I, th I say failure with, with, with all due respect to where they are. Obviously they weren't favorites. They weren't probably put into the category to have qualified for 2022, but I say failure because they were in a really good position earlier on in qualifying and just sort of fell apart as it went on and on and on uh, and allowed Costa Rica to sneak into that spot, uh, which is disappointing because if you look at this team and you look at how hard they are to play against, uh, and you look at the way that they did it in a neutral venue or in in SoFi, where it was, you know, I'm I, I wasn't there, uh, but I'm assuming it was 80 plus percent uh, Mexico fans in there, and you could hear that humming and that noise and that pressure. They rose to that occasion, and you know, it was a last minute effort that 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 buried them. Uh, but I agree with Ace of them spades. SoFi should get the the final. I mean, that venue was unreal. You know, uh, uh, David saying or David saying that uh, SoFi is a spectacular soccer venue. I was there for Leagues Cup. 
showcase last, last August. Obviously, those were I, I remember those being doubleheader days and the atmosphere was incredible. Right. And and I think hopefully we'll see that again with the League's Cup. But SoFi seems to be the one. And I know that there's a lot of criticism in terms of I think it's I don't think it's the attendance. I think it's actually the field space. And this might have been a big moment for them to be able to show, because I'll tell you this. I've got friends that work at FIFA. They were there. I've got friends that work at UEFA. They were there. I've got friends that work at CONCACAF. They were there. And uh, they're not there because they just want to enjoy a gold cup. They are there because they are measuring and looking at something. Now, that could be a semifinal there. It could be a final. But they were there for a reason, not just to take in Panama-Mexico game. You don't fly that far unless there's some business to be had as well. So I know that they're looking at it and hopefully uh, they see the opportunity of just the magnitude of that stadium. Even visually, when you look at the layer of the TV cameras, the way that looked, when you looked at the just the technology that they had, the atmosphere, the noise that was coming through was just unreal. Um, last question real quick, and then we'll jump to, to, our, to our first and only break of the show. But Soccer Boy Media says, American Soccer Media are calling Gold Cup Tournament in the future going away. Um, is that future going away like it's going away i don't i'm not sure i understand exactly what the question is but we're going to take our first and only break of the show when we come back uh, maybe we can get a little explanation throw another comment up so that producer lisa could throw it up on the screen um and and we'll talk about it but guess what don't go anywhere we'll be right back robert half research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring if you have open roles chances are you're feeling this too that's why you need robert half Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Viore gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger. And don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot slash sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com slash sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Oh, what is up, everybody? I'm back. And if you're wondering why I keep going through these different highs and lows of my voice is because I'm in the airport now. I had booked an extra hotel room uh, tonight uh, to be able to get to my flight and see the show, but the game started late, and then you had the halftime presentation with the Lionel Messi thing, which we're going to talk about. Um, and obviously, that wasn't necessarily on the show, but there was some throwing to that and some previewing of that. And so it just made for a long day, and I was worried these teams aren't going to score. They've had plenty of chances. It's going to go to penalties. I wanted to make sure that I could be in a place where I could catch my flight, but also be able to talk to you guys and say how I uh, feel and give you my recap on this game. Um, but actually, let's talk a little bit about um, 
the messy experience. You know, all came together so quick uh, with Major League Soccer. And as I've talked to people from from Apple TV, as I've talked to people from the league, it's been all hands on deck for the last month. And what I saw in that one was an incredible uh, show, right? And Miami loves a show. And of course, the rain is coming down. And I don't know if any of you guys had to watch the presentation, but I'm pretty sure you can catch that probably replay anywhere on the internet by now. But first they announced Sergio Busquets and then Jorge Mas made this big speech to everybody. David Beckham spoke to the crowd, but it was a sellout crowd and it was an unbelievable atmosphere in there. And then Messi came out and all the families came out and I didn't get a chance to watch the whole thing from start to finish, but I did get a chance to see um, some of the details of it skipping through it while I was, um, while I was getting ready for um the the second half of the game is obviously almost an hour long presentation. So overall, I thought it was um, just pretty cool to see. Right, uh, we've seen it before in the past. Remember all the like all the the fail fail videos of players that sign at Barcelona and go out and can't juggle and things like that. There was none of that this time. It was just more of like walking a catwalk out onto the thing. Um, but what it's done now, and we'll, we'll talk about it in an upcoming show is how much it's changed everything throughout the year from like adding sideline reporters to their matches to uh, having people at training at their matches throughout the week to cover it to having, and those people already existed, but I think within the Apple ecosystem, there's just like this shifting of now we've got to talk about how do we change the scheduling so that everybody like me can make sure that if I'm watching a game on the Eastern East coast time zone, 7:30 PM, I don't want to miss that one. And I don't have to choose between that and my team. And so it's just really changing the way um, I think people think about this. And overall, it's just an unbelievably massive uh, opportunity for the league. And there was a question there. Lisa, if you could throw that question right back up that was on the screen about um, his impact. Um, Jose asks, how will Messi impact MLS? How long is his contract? I believe his contract is 18 months. No, sorry. It is through June of 2026, if I understand that correctly. So that would be two and a half years, right? 23, 24, 25, 26, three years, three years through uh, June of 26. So that'd be a three-year contract. I think his impact will be bigger than any p- impact that anybody has ever had on the league, whether that's the commissioner, whether that's a David Beckham experiment that, that happened, um, because with regard to the streaming platform, it's a fully global um, exclusive distribution. So you're talking about a player that can capture the minds, the hearts, and hopefully, uh, if in, 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 in the, in the case of the, the league, the, the, uh, consumption of the global fan to be able to see Lionel Messi play, it's going to up the quality of the league. Hopefully it changes some of the mechanisms of which teams can build rosters to be able to be competitive and make sure that he has the right team around him to, to, to be his best, um, but also others to be able to come, come over and compete, you know, during that messy presentation, they, they cut to Deandre Yedlin, who was all dressed up in his like fly gear and whatever. And uh, they asked him about it and, you know, Deandre is usually pretty coy with things and he's a little bit on, on the quieter side in terms of what he shares with the media. And he was like beaming with like, I can't believe he's here. And, and it just brings out the fan and all of us, you know, my quick flex of the day is that I had a chance to play with Messi. Um, and this is, this is, I can't tell you this is 100% true, but this is what we were told, and it makes sense. 2008, we played uh, England at Wembley. Then we flew to uh, Spain to play Spain in Santander. That's two flexes so far. And then the third one for that summer was playing against Argentina at Giant Stadium. 
before the game, you know, the team sheet goes up on the board. You see who you're playing against, whatever. We see, okay, Messi's not in the lineup. Great. Great for me. Great for whatever. I had Kun Aguero on my side for the game. But as they headed into the locker room, uh, we had found out that apparently within the promotional contracts, that if Messi was fit and healthy to play, he had to play if they wanted to be able to 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 um, receive their match bonus or play bonus or whatever. So sure enough, Messi didn't warm up with the starting team and he came out in the tunnel in the starting lineup, played one half, kind of cruised around, had a couple of really great passes that we were fortunately able to get out of. Um, and and then he went off the field at halftime. Uh, and so that's my, my my humble brag for today of my, my messy story. But I just remember that specifically and all of those details. And I played in some big games against big players and big teams. Um, but when you come across somebody who's generational that you don't know if you'll ever see again, you, you, you recognize the opportunity. And every player that gets a chance to play against Messi isn't looking at it like, yeah, but he's 36 now or whatever. I mean, Messi is literally the best player in the world as of last year. And so I think every player is going to look at it as a rare opportunity uh, to play against them. And sometimes I know you hear Jimmy Conrad reference um, friendly matches that he played in, right? Where he played against Real Madrid when he was an MLS player. And even though it's a friendly, being able to be that closer amongst the best players in the world. And Jimmy played in the World Cup, but if you hear his admiration for the player um, being close to them, seeing the way that they train, seeing the way that they move, seeing the way that they play, the speed that they play, um, even for us who have a chance to compete against them, there is an, a respect and admiration. So I think his impact will be felt forever uh, for the for the future of the league. And I know there's a lot of questions. Yeah, but is he going to play on turf? Is he going to play the full season? Is Can he be healthy? Is his team going to be any good? I think they're 19 points um, on the season so far. They've got a long ways to go to making it uh, to the playoffs this year. And, and I would love to see that happen. I would love to see this team turn it around and add a few pieces that are going to change the trajectory of their season. And to see Mel- Messi have the quality of player around him that makes him happy. What we've seen in the past is that quality that a player is used to when they're the big star drop off when they come to MLS and then feel frustrated by that. But I don't think that's going to be the case. I think this is a guy who is a ambassador for the game and we got him in our domestic league. And I think that's just a massive, massive opportunity um, to the point where I, you know, I, I am going to make sure that I get a chance to see him play in one of these stadiums on the West coast whenever that happens. And, and, and by the way, yeah, Ace Stone is saying, I can't picture Messi playing in, in turf in a hot summer day in New England. I mean, he's played all over the, the world. He's played on bad pitches with the national team. He's played on bad pitches uh, at Barcelona, at PSG. It's not always just that luxury. I only play on good pitches. Turf is different, but I don't see it being any, any, any different for him. He's a smart player. He's intelligent with his movement. He's highly efficient with his movement. So it's not like he's, you know, really, really over, overdoing it. Um, and he's at a point now where he's got a team around him, a medical team, a medical staff that I'm sure is managing his minutes well and managing his time well. But I just think that overall it's going to be a huge thing. And they announced that Messi's deal will be for two and a half seasons and they'll pay him 50 to 60 million annually, putting the total contract value between 125 and 150 million in cash. Not to mention, you know, he's already done. What's the, uh, JJ, what's the burger that he's done from where? Hard Rock, Hard Rock Cafe, is that what it is? Um, and... I just saw, I just saw a, a, um, a friend of mine works in the, in the in the cruise line industry, and they just put in a big sponsorship. If you saw on the on the on the platform of of the announcement today, Royal Caribbean is now a big sponsor. I mean, it's bringing more eyeballs, which means it's bringing more dollars. It's bringing more, you know, elevation to the marketing side of things and opportunities that are going to trickle down to all of the players. So, 
Uh, what do you guys think? Do you think Messi's going to have the impact that uh, we hope that he does? I'm not measuring it based on how many trophies he wins while he's here. Just the fact that he is here and he's going to be here for a while with his magnitude. I mean, this is a guy who has literally won everything and it's bringing more exposure internationally, but hopefully, you know, it brings more exposure domestically, brings more exposure to television. It brings more exposure to, to the league itself. It brings more opportunities for accessibility to be able to play the game for, for, you know, more money just being pumped into the game in all ways that uh, everybody benefits. That's my hope. Um, but time will tell and all that. I think it'd be ridiculous if that didn't happen. I think if we start trying to play the game where we want to hold him to the standard where he's got to win the trophy every year and all that things, we know that it's a team environment and he's always had stacked teams where he's never had to really uh, deal with that in a way um, where he had to go solo. You know, he's had good teams around him all the time. So I think there's a chance for him to be able to continue doing that. And, um, and uh, at Miami, if they give him the resources or if they can figure out the contractual situations within the teams that they can add players and at least make it, if they don't win, a team that can be really uh, entertaining and uh, fun to watch. But anyways, guys, I think that's it on those two subjects. But we'll just wrap this up with some final final thoughts. As A. Stone says, devil's advocate, I agree that MLS will grow, but did Messi's arrival at PSG help grow Liga? I don't – I mean, I'm sure it helped grow Liga, but they also – you know, you also had uh, the, the Neymar period. There's also a tribalism, I think, that exists in Liga that, that isn't quite here yet in terms of – you know, the rest of the league's love for or hatred for PSG is very different than I think what we have here. People there aren't looking to see the sport grow. Uh, it definitely helped media dollars. It definitely helped, uh, you know, grow in all the financial ways. But what I would say is that that's different in the sense that, you know, I want to watch Messi play because he's playing within the league now. I'm sure that the media dollars grew because people might hate PSG, but they were wanting to watch PSG play because they played entertaining because they would win championships. And maybe they watched them play because they hated everything about them, uh, that they were trying to buy trophies and things like that. So overall, I think it gives you plenty of reason to, to, to support and, and, um, and be behind it. Now, I think this is just two different generations, two different eras, two different leagues, two different histories. Uh, and what we have now um, with, the Latino population in the U.S., the Hispanic population that exists uh, uh, across the U.S., the, the the global Hispanic population. You know, maybe you didn't feel league on as much, but I can certainly tell you it, it grew the media value across the world. And I think that's a big thing for us as we continue to try to, you know, grow the league and do everything in the in the right way. Jose twenty three the goat says, I feel he will see potential. I feel he will see the potential the U.S. has and. This Apple deal might allow him to own a percentage of an MLS team. Oh, I mean, yeah. I, when I said 125 to 150 in cash, that is probably the entry point to what he will get out of this, right? We've already seen him signing marketing deals. We've already seen him doing all these um, endorsement deals. I'm sure there's plenty of ownership mechanisms. I'm sure there's uh, equity or shares uh, that will vest uh, over time with, 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 with Apple. I'm sure it has every single mechanism that if he helps and he does and he pulls his weight or he puts certain things on his back, he's going to benefit for them for sure. I mean, let's not forget this is a guy that turned down a couple billion dollars or what I heard was $3 billion um, by the time that he said no to uh, to the league itself um, or to, to, to going to Saudi Arabia, sorry. Um, but guys, unless there's any final thoughts, I think that's it. For me, thank you, Osmar, Heath the Trooper. Uh, I'm, uh, I've, I've still got plenty of time left to go before I got to go and catch my flight, but I, I'm glad I was able to connect with you guys, get on here, have a conversation. Uh, I appreciate all of you, myself, Jimmy, 
uh, Charlie, uh, producer Lisa, producer Des, producer Alex, everybody that's been part of this Gold Cup run, obviously, actually not just the Gold Cup run, the Nations League run, the Gold Cup run, and then every single week that we're in this uh, week in and week out has been an unbelievable experience. You guys continue to tune in. You continue to listen to the podcast. You continue to join the live show. You continue to push our narrative. We see you guys at stadiums now. You share the love. It's been fantastic. And uh, by the way, attacking third, producer Lisa, who is producing today, is uh, going to be launching Attacking Third, I believe, tomorrow on the Glossa Network. So make sure you uh, tune into that Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 4 p.m. for uh, World Cup coverage. Um, and hopefully our women go on to win the back-to-back-to-back in the most unbelievable of ways. But you can get all of that coverage there. Get your social currency by joining in on that. Um, could be the fifth with a three-peat. Uh, three in a row would be unbelievable. But yeah, get all your up-to-date news on, on, on the World Cup from them. And until then, guys, I appreciate everything. I appreciate you guys joining with me. Um, if you haven't already, make sure you comment, make sure you like, make sure you subscribe, make sure you share it with one friend. If you just share the show with one friend, they'll share it with one friend. We'll bid, build this big old community heading towards 2026 and beyond. We're having so much fun doing it. And also, if you listen to this in audio form, leave a rating, leave a review. Five stars is always great. And uh, I appreciate all of you. And until Friday, I believe, where it'll be Jimmy, myself, and hopefully Charlie, Chuck, Wagon, Davies um, doing a, a recap of everything and also maybe a preview looking towards the Women's World Cup. Um, we, will, uh, we will catch you then. So again, no show tomorrow like our normal Monday. Probably not a show on, on Thursday because Jimmy's heading off to Australia and Chuck's on the road and I'm on the road. So we're trying to figure this whole thing out with MLS All-Star, but we will be back with our regular crew on Friday and um, get back into our rhythm of doing things again. But we had just a week of travel with MLS All-Star. Jimmy's on the road. So until uh, we see you guys, it'll be on Friday again. Um, Peace out and be safe. See you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.